0: What's going on, everybody? It's Cooper and James, and we are from the backpins. It's a Monday night, but you know what? We got to get things done. James, how are you doing on this Monday night?
1: Oh, hanging in there. Supposed to went and got some stem cells, but uh, doctor was sick, so we had to put that off till next week. And the in case anybody's wondering, I'm about three hours or so from Little Rock, and I have two doctors' appointments Tuesday and Wednesday. That's why we're doing the podcast a little early this week.
0: Should have just went early. (laughs) I could have caught the uh, action this weekend, but that's all right. You know, you got stuff to do and everybody does. So can't control that stuff. But man, it was a busy week of bull riding last week. They had a lot of events, televised events, I might add. And there are some big time performances. There are some big time bull rides, some really cool storylines to keep track of. It was a very good week of bull riding, in my opinion. And I'm looking forward to another really good weekend with the Global Cup coming up. So we got a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. Grab them slides, boys, because we're coming at you from the back pens. So we'll start off with our Velocity Tour Minute. Just a short, quick minute here. Casey Coulter walks away victorious in Worcester, Massachusetts. I probably said that wrong, but it is what it is. I'm not a geographer. So Casey Coulter, he rides two head, 169 points on two. He earns 38 world points. This is a guy he's been chasing the tour or uh, chasing PBR for a while. He's found some success. I believe he won Deadwood last summer, if I'm not mistaken. So he has tasted success at the touring pro and velocity level. He's had a cup of coffee at the UTB level, so it's good to see Casey finding some success and finding his way back to the UTB tour. What did you think of Casey's performance there, James?
1: I think it was pretty pretty awesome and pretty pretty impressive. I mean, it's Worcester, Massachusetts. There we go. You butchered it, and I fixed it. It's Worcester, Massachusetts, but uh, due to weather, there was guys that weren't able to be there, so guys like Grayson Cole and Casey Coulter and some of those other guys they got on like four bulls to get some more points. So that was pretty cool. And we also had a lead change in the overall year-end standings for the Velocity Tour as well. Casey Coulter's leading that.
0: No, heck yeah, good for him. It's good to see Casey finding some success. And I was not aware that there was guys that double entered it. So that's pretty cool. You don't tend to see that a lot at the PBR level. So that's pretty unique and good for those guys. It's going to be another uh, busy weekend on the Velocity Tour this coming weekend. There's two one-day events on the same day as the Global Cup. So I would imagine if a guy's feeling healthy and he's not on a Global Cup team, that he will be trying to go to one of those two events. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because no offense to the guys that are in the top, say, 50 in the world right now, but if you're one of those bottom feeders, as you want to call it, and you want to get into the top 35, The only way you might is the Velocity Finals. And so go get as many points as you can and qualify for that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting weekend of bull riding with what's in store. The Global Cup is just such a unique event. But before we get into that, let's talk about what happened this last weekend in your home state, James, Little Rock, Arkansas. Pretty dang good bull riding. They rode quite a few bulls and there was some big time bull rides that went down in Little Rock. What did you think of Little Rock as a whole?
1: To me, it was pretty amazing. Really, it, it sucks honestly to be three hours from home and not be there doing interviews or doing something for this podcast, making it better for the fans. But hey, next year's next year, and we'll be healthier and ready to roll. But as far as Little Rock this year as a whole, obviously, just like everybody in that stand, in those stands, if you're from Arkansas, you love Chase Outlaw heck even if you're not from Arkansas you still love Chase Outlaw and his attitude and it's good to see him come back and not only come back but look pretty dadgum good doing it yes he let one get away but so did everybody else for that matter except for i think one or two one or two guys rode 3
0: yeah two two guys rode 3 your first and second place finishers let's get right into it Last year's reigning world champion, defending world champ, Jose Vitor Leme walks away with the win 272 on three head, 145 world points earned. And I think the biggest surprise of the weekend for this guy was he did not draft Wupa in the short round. He had the number one pick. He went with a bull of uh, cord McCoy's. He told the TV people, he figured he needed to be about 91 to 93. He didn't need to be 97. So Went with Diddy Diddy and it worked out for him. He had a really good weekend all the way around, though. Good to see the champ back to what we're used to seeing from him.
1: All is right with the world now. (laughs) I felt like the sky was falling. No offense to all the other guys, but I really did. I felt like the sky was falling there for a minute. But now we're starting to see the cream of the crop finally start to rise. You know, not that. Anybody in the top 10 right now isn't the cream of the crop because if they weren't, they wouldn't be there. But I'm talking about familiar names. We're starting to see them creep back into the conversation for a world title. And that's so exciting to see, especially with this short season. So.
0: And for the record, I was never as worried about Jose as you were every week. It seems like you're just expecting this guy to go hundred percent every weekend. And I'm telling you, it's just not going to happen. You know that, but it is, he's, he's as close to a Superman as we've probably seen in the PBR for quite a while. Like this guy puts up riding percentages similar to what you would see in the nineties and early two thousands, kind of when that transition happened where the, not to be disrespectful to anybody that rode bulls back in that era, but. The perceived difference of bull power kind of happened. He puts up those kind of numbers in a day and age where you're going to get on a lot of rank bulls. So good to see Jose back for sure. And in second place, this guy kind of surprised me a little bit. Not because I don't think he's good. He just hasn't had a super huge year. But Manolito de Sosa Jr. second place, two hundred and sixty nine and a quarter on three head. Manolito earned 106 and a half world points, and he had to have been licking his chops when Jose left him Woopaw up there on that shark cage. What do you think about that, James?
1: I'm still flabbergasted that Jose did not pick Woopaw because he's so much about picking the rankest bulls and breaking records and all that stuff and leaving an imprint on the sport, which he's already done. But if he's left in any draft, and I'm a guy, whether I'm the 15th guy or the first guy, that's the bull I'm picking.
0: Yeah, and Manalito made a count. I mean, he made a good bull ride. Wupa had a good day. Not the best day we've seen from him, but still a really, really good day. I mean, he was 92, I think, in three quarters or something like that. Really good bull ride from this guy. It's good to see from him for sure. And in third place, Mauricio Morea. One hundred seventy-nine and three quarters on two head. Mauricio earned 63 and a half world points, and I believe that's two pretty high finishes in a row. He did pretty well in Los Angeles too, didn't he, James?
1: I, I believe he bucked off in Los Angeles if memory serves me oh, right. It was
0: St. Louis. It was St. Louis. In You're Saint
1: right. Louis that he did fairly good at. As long as he doesn't do that, what I call the Willingham lean back, and everybody that's familiar with Sean Willingham and back in that era. They know what I'm talking about, and anybody that knows anything about bull riding means or knows that I don't mean any disrespect to Sean Willingham whatsoever. He's a super nice guy and one heck of a bull rider. But if he could have stayed forward and you know charged the front end instead of getting leaned back as much as he did, I think we would have put a gold buckle on him in his career. And Mauricio Moreta is kind of hit and miss with that other than, you know, St. Louis and the ones that we've talked about him being successful at. So in some ways, it doesn't surprise me that he's in the top five, but in other ways it does.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't think he was as high up in the standings as he was until we did this last week, to be honest. He just, like you said, he hasn't had those big, big weekends a lot, but he's had a couple pretty good finishes in a row and he has gotten more bulls rolled than a person thinks throughout the year. So that makes sense. And actually, I guess it was a tie for third and fourth, but the tiebreaker goes for world points earned to Mauricio. But in fourth place, it's your Arkansas native, the CEO of Outlaw Nation, Chase Outlaw, 179 and three quarters. He gets 16 and a half world points on the weekend, but this guy looked pretty dang good. He made two really good bull rides. And for coming back in the draft where he did, he had to have been absolutely ecstatic with big blacks still on the board. That's a bull he's rode in the past. He's brought the house down on that bull previously. He had to have been jacked up and boy, when he got off him after that beat down, he was excited and that place was loud. What'd you think of your home state native there, James?
1: Well, you know, I wish I could tell you that I watched it, but doing to uh, television schedules and my own schedule, I kind of had to rely on you to talk about round two and in, in the short and the championship round. I followed it as best I could on my phone and such, but, it's just kind of one of those deals where this is kind of where I got to lean on you. But I've seen it before, and it's probably the same story. Chase always says that bull is like riding a Cadillac. And whenever St. Louis, after Mason unfortunately passed away and they named it the Mason Low Memorial, Chase actually won that event on Big Black and was somewhere pretty close to the same score he was this weekend in Little Rock.
0: The biggest thing I think from that ride that I'll take away is everybody on the back of the buck and shoots is going crazy. And you hear that all the time. When you can impress your peers, you know, you've done something. There was not a guy on the back of the buck and shoots that wasn't going crazy. Kenny McElroy of K bar C, he was up there hooping and hollering all the bull riders were, it was pretty cool to see chase after the adversity he's gone through, come through in his home state and really deliver something big. That was pretty awesome to see. No doubt about it. And rounding out the top five, another one of your boys here, Lane Nobles, 176 and a half on two head. Lane earns 45 world points on the weekend. Lane had a chance to win this event, and I think he picked a bull that allowed him to do so. He was going for it. He didn't take the safe route. Chiseled might not be the hardest bull to ride on tour, but you still got to do everything exactly right, and he's going to mean it when that uh, latch cracks and he had a pretty good day. Lane just kind of had a really weird go at him. He kind of got leaned over there, and he got popped in the head, and that's what really kind of ended his chance. But really solid weekend for Lane. What do you think about Lane having some success in Little Rock?
1: I think it's pretty awesome because I've I've been around this kid since he was 18, 19 years old, going to CBR events back in 2011. And he actually gave me one of my nicknames that I'll not mention on this podcast. But – uh Uh, I'll let you know about it later. Really, really good guy and should have been in the PBR four, five, six, eight years ago, truthfully. And so should have half the roster that I went with that year. But, you know, it is what it is. Bull riding injuries happen and so on and so forth. But, yeah, I'm extremely excited for him to – I think he might have at least punched his ticket to be on tour for a few weeks anyway, so –
0: I would assume so. I mean, Lane's been a guy we've been seeing more of, so I would think you're going to see more of him on tour. And that rounds out the top five, but there's a couple notable bull scores I'd like to talk about. Your Yeti bull, the event riding solo, Cord McCoy's monstrous bull score, 47 and a half with Dalton Castle. And as a stock contractor, I would have to think that they really like when Dalton Castle gets on their bulls because Dalton's a guy, you know, every time he is not going to quit. He is going to try his butt off every single time, every bully gets on. And he really allows them bulls to really showcase what they can do. Riding solo was outstanding. He took the lead in the Yeti bull year race. And if he keeps bucking like that, Wupa is really going to have to step it up because riding solo has been electric in the last two, three, four trips. We've seen him, And I don't expect him to slow down. What about you?
1: Oh, you know, that's one thing that I actually did see, but I saw it by accident. I saw it on Instagram or Facebook where the PBR posted that trip from riding solo. And, man, I thought, wow, (laughs) probably the most impressive trip that I can, in recent memory, can remember from that bull. And if he can consistently do that week to week, he's going to be world champion bucking bull. And it's kind of ironic. You'll find out why if you stay tuned.
0: Yeah, it's good for Cord. Cord's an awesome guy, and uh, I know he's really proud of that bull, so that's awesome to see. We'll just do a quick little rundown of the world standings. There were some moves over the week. Still in first place is Dalen Swearingen. JRV's about 75 points behind him in that second slot. Kyler Oliver's about 144 behind Dalen in third. Jose Vitor Leme moves all the way up to fourth. He's 160 points behind, and that is, does not take him long to accumulate that many points, so these guys better watch out. Mauricio Morea, he's in fifth. Stetson Lawrence in sixth. Eli Vaspiner in seventh. Luciano DeCastro in eighth. Dener Barbosa in ninth. And Dalton Castle rounding out the top ten. I think the big story of the week is Jose moved from like 10, 11, 12, up to fourth, and watch out. He's got the trains on the tracks. He can make that ground up in a hurry.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and before we leave uh, Little Rock here, I wanted to mention some things that I thought were pretty unique. And I've been around bull riding for and studied bull riding for 20-plus years, not to brag on myself, but that just kind of gives the listeners a little bit of an idea of kind of where I'm coming from. But I've never seen a guy's bull rope break in half. And in the very next week, he's got the same bull rope and it looks like a brand new bull rope and that's what Stetson Lawrence had. He had some guy work on it, I guess from, I don't know where the guy was from, but it took him like three or four hours to fix it.
0: He must really like that thing because Stetson's been riding good enough. He can definitely afford a new bull rope. So he must really, really like that rope that he broke. Uh, yeah. Back in St. Louis it was. Yeah. Yeah. That is strange. I guess I've never really heard of one getting fixed. Most guys, I guess I know of that have broke one, have just, just grabbed another it. one. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting there for sure. And Anything then, else that sticks out to you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you ever found out who it was, you and I touched on it privately, but one of the arena crew got ran over and I didn't see it exactly cause the camera kind of panned away and all this, but I was wondering why the action was held up. This was uh Friday night on Pluto TV. I said, why is the action held up? The guy's out of the arena, everything's cool. And I look and there's one of the arena crews inside the bucking chutes and everybody's checking on him and he's got gloves on. He puts his gloves back on and gets back out of the chute just like it was another day at the office. So I guess the arena crew is just as tough as some of the Cowboys and that's great to see.
0: Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't got a chance to watch that yet, but I remember you telling me about it and I'm definitely excited to see who it was. I never asked who it was. I've had kind of a busy weekend. So yeah, you don't see that a whole lot, but you're just glad that it worked out and nobody got real hurt when that happened. And that'll kind of transition us into our rank ride fantasy segment of this podcast. You can find them at www.rankridefantasy.com, at Rank Ride Fantasy on Instagram, rankride on Facebook, and Rank Ride TV on YouTube. It was an interesting week for rankride. For those of you that do play along, anytime there's a classic round of bulls, it's challenging because you just don't know much about the bulls. And even if you have seen them, they're fresh enough that they definitely don't have set patterns. And like you'll find out with our guests, sometimes those patterns and results can be very drastic they can be at the upper end and lower end of extreme it's tough when the classic bulls are out do you agree james
1: oh absolutely and you know you and i were having a meeting one day with with our friend bonner bolton like we do about every week just kind of discussing stuff and catching up with each other because we're all so busy and i'd ask him i said what are your like, if there's not a major, what are your favorite events to go to when you were riding? He said, he said, man, when you get into those classic events, you knew that you had to come and you had to bring it. So it was really special to me to hear that because I expected, you know, something like Time Murray Invitational or the Tough Hedeman deal back in the day and some of those kinds of things, maybe even the George Paul, as far as just asking him which board riding was his favorite to go to that wasn't a major. And he said... Basically, anything that was a classic night, hats off for the ABBI and everybody for making that happen because it makes bull riding funner to watch.
0: And it makes it harder to predict. I can tell you that. It does make it it more fun to watch, no doubt about it. There was a lot of really good bulls, and there's a lot of really ranked three and four year old bulls out there. There's just an absurd amount of ranked bulls right now. Hats off to all the guys in the bull industry because they've really taken that end of it a long ways in the last 20, 25 years. And as a, as for the riders, I mean, I think it's tougher on them. They just don't know much about them. And quite honestly, like they're young. You don't know what they're going to be like in the shoot. And even one that stands in the shoot at home, he might not when you bring them into that building. So definitely a tough round on riders, in my opinion. And the only good thing about it, I guess, is generally that re-ride pen on classic nights is extra good.
1: And there were two or three that guys didn't get out on. So there you go,
0: proving your point. And speaking of rank ride, I guess we should have brought this up earlier, but it's a really fun way to play fantasy bull riding. If you watch football, baseball, heck, golf, NASCAR, UFC, it doesn't matter. They all have fantasy sports, and rank Ride is that platform for bull riding. Pretty easy to play. You sign up. It's free to play. You get a chance to win real money. Who doesn't like free money? And it's pretty simple. You pick two guys from each tier the tiers are numbered one through three and you pick one bull from each tier. And I think going off that theme with these classic nights are hard to predict. It's definitely really hard because rank ride will give you a probability, meaning the chance of that guy to ride that bull. And when you don't know that much about the bull, it's hard to give an accurate representation of that number. Right, James?
1: Exactly. And even sometimes if you've seen that bull a thousand times, and you give a guy a 75% chance to ride that bull, he might stump his toe. It doesn't matter if you're a J.B. Mooney, a Joseph E. Torleme, a Sage Kimsey over in the PRCA, or a Stetson Wright. It doesn't matter who you are. Donnie Gay's got eight world titles, but he's fell off bulls and stumped his toe at some point in his career. So it's going to happen to everybody, and it's just amazing to me how they can just flip a switch and just forget about it. And that's what you have to do. But back to the game is the classic night's so fun for me because so many of these guys worry about, is it going into your hand? Is it going away from my hand? What's he going to do? I think the classic night kind of forces you to go back to the basics and ride him jump for jump and do your job and not worry so much about this bull's going to the left, this bull's going to the right. If he does follow him, if he don't, Follow whatever he's doing that's the whole point of bull riding is ride the up and down and let the rest of it take care of themselves and some guys just forget that and would prefer a direction. i wouldn't say they forget it they just prefer a direction i guess and on abbi night you can't really prefer a direction because you don't know what they're going to do
0: yeah i mean there will be videos of these bulls obviously i mean with social media the way it is you can Find something on almost any bull out there if you really want to try hard enough, too. The difference is with these young bulls, they a lot of them don't really have a super strong set pattern. Whereas, say, like a bull like Mind Freak of K-Bar you pretty much know every time he's going to be around to the left and he's going to have a lot of forward movement. The difference to these young bulls, you have no idea really what that pattern is going to be or if they're going to follow a pattern. So these guys have a harder time formulating a game plan for them. And as a rank ride fantasy player, and quite honestly, just I love to gamble. So I guess somewhat of a degenerate gambler. I don't like classic nights. I would rather they have a bunch of veteran bulls in there because if I know the bulls and I know what they do and I know what guys are getting on them, I feel like I can formulate a pretty strong opinion of who's going to ride and who's not and who has a chance to win the round and who's who doesn't. Um, so from a rank ride standpoint, I really didn't care so much about what they had in the first round. There was a few that stood out to me that I liked, few matchups. But at the end of the day, the unpredictability, the variance there, I was looking more for guys that I thought had a better chance to be consistent the whole weekend versus step out there and be 93 points on Friday night. But that's just how I looked at it. How do you look at that, James?
1: Exactly the same way you're looking at it. I, I look at it, hey, if we're supposed to get six scores, every night, or try to at least, then I need to pick the six that I think are not, not only get the whistle, but be consistent enough to get the whistle twice and guarantee their spot in this championship round and maybe get a check at the end of the deal. You never know.
0: And speaking of how fun rank ride is to play, me and James, we play every week. I mean, we're both uh, not bad. I wouldn't say, well, me personally, I think I'm sitting in 11th. That's not where I want to be, but I'll take it. And I know you're pretty high up in those standings too. James calls me out all the time. He's like, ah, that guy ain't going to ride in the short round. What do you think about our difference in opinions on some guys? We do think pretty similarly along the lines of guys like Jose and this and that. Uh, James is a little more stuck in his ways, though. James, you don't really like to deviate from your picks a whole lot, do you?
1: If I really think a guy's going to ride that bull and get me a score, I don't care who it is, to be honest. I mean, there are certain guys I'm going to put on a team. Obviously, there's captains of the team, and you got Tier 1, you got Jose Vitor Leme, and you've got that whole list of basically the top 10, probably. I'm not exactly sure how many is in one tier. I think it just depends on how many people are in the bull riding the week, I guess, because sometimes they'll take 40, even 50 sometimes for special events like Last Cowboy Standing or et cetera like that. Typically, you'll have the top you know, ten or eight or so in the in the top two tiers or, or the top tier to pick your first two. So it's kind of really nice to have a guy like Jose Vitor Leme or a uh, JRV or so on and so forth. That you just okay, the rest of the guys might buck off, but at least I got two two scores coming.
0: Yeah, but that brings up a point. JRV hasn't been that way about the last three four events. So this is how I look at it and this might sound crazy because you can say, well, who says he's not going to keep riding? Probability and statistics numbers say if a guy has rode six bulls in a row, he's due to buck off. Does that mean he's going to buck off? No, but I'm saying if you follow that pattern over time, I guarantee it will show more times than not. If a guy is on a hot streak of more than say like five or six, he's probably due for a buck off in a bad weekend. It's nothing personal against anybody. That's just how I look at it. I'm a little more numbers driven than you are. You kind of just go off of how you're feeling. I'm not afraid to look at analytics, the guy's numbers or what a bull does. Like I really do look at what a bull does and who's getting on them. And that really does play a, play a factor for me, more so than even the probability. I, I could care less about the probability number. For me, if I know the bulls, and I know the guys, I'm looking for matchups that stick out. Like that guy should ride that bull 80% of the time. If that guy can ride in the long, the short round too, and I think he can ride both directions, I'll put him in without even thinking twice about it.
1: I'm the same way. Like, I don't care if it's Francesco Morales and I'm 100% sure in my own mind that he's going to ride that bull, even though his riding percentage may be a lot lower than typical. I'll pick him like uh, you didn't go with your gut and you paid for it. So, uh, yeah,
0: I did. Uh, so I told James before last week, when we were talking about the picks, I had looked at the list of who was getting guaranteed was only guaranteed one bull. So they had to ride their bull Friday night. And I saw what Brendan Eldred had. And I watched that bull in Oklahoma city. And I told James almost word for word. I said, if Brendan doesn't ride this bull, he needs to go somewhere to to kind of get the groove back because he should eat this one up in round one on Friday night. He did. I think he was probably about 87, 88. Like James said, I paid for it because Brennan had a really good weekend, and he wasn't on my team because he was guaranteed one bull, and I just didn't want to take the risk of something weird happening Friday night and not having an opportunity to get a score on Saturday.
1: I don't blame you, but as my good friend John Young would say, sometimes you got to risk it to get the biscuit.
0: I agree. You do have to risk it to get the biscuit. But also, where I'm at in the standings, I'm really, I want to get as many points as possible with the least amount of risk, in my opinion. And sometimes that means I'll probably get edged out in in week to week standings. I might miss out on a few checks here and there, but I would rather win first place at the end of the year, personally. That's just me.
1: I'm not greedy. I just want to win every bull riding I enter, just like any of the other Cowboys out there. that's playing. And I'm sure you want to win too. It's not like you don't, but you just have a different strategy and a different way to approach it. And Hey, it's working. So why change it?
0: Yeah. That's not saying I don't want to win. That's not what I meant at all. But what I'm saying is somebody might beat me if they go like high risk, high reward. If they pick a bunch of guys that are really either like 90 or nothing and more times than not, they're nothing. That's not who I'm going to pick that's just not how I'm going to play the game. And I think over time, you're better off probably picking guys that just get their bulls rode, but that's just me and everybody can play their own way. That's what makes, that's part of what makes it so fun is there's a ton of different strategies to use. Me and you tend to think pretty similarly, but when you look at some of the other teams that are up there in the top of the standings, they do tend to pick different guys than I do, you know, and they're ahead of me. So maybe I'm the one who's wrong. Who knows?
1: They won't be ahead for long because I don't play for second.
0: Heck yeah. But I think this will be a really good time to transition into a first for this podcast. Uh, We did our first little guest uh, interview, I guess, on Friday before they hauled bulls into the building in Little Rock. James, you had some technical difficulties, and I know you were disappointed about that. But we got to interview a very special guy in the rodeo industry. He's done a lot. He's accomplished a lot. He's done a lot of really great things for the sport. James, what did you think about the guests we had on Friday?
1: Just so everybody knows, I was there though pretty much the whole time. I think I missed like the first what ten or fifteen minutes of it. Who who the guy is is one of the nicest guys in the entire industry. And yeah, I'm gonna use that a lot. When I'm talking about certain guys like this, I really mean it. There's not a human being alive that's met this man or even knows about this man that doesn't love him. Cord McCoy, I love you, buddy.
0: Yeah, Cord's an awesome guy. If you're having a bad day, I promise you that will not last long around Cord. Without further ado, let's play part of our interview with Cord McCoy from Friday. I am here with five-time IPRA world champion, a 2005 NFR bull riding qualifier six times of the pbr finals three times on the amazing race pbr and prca stock contractor had his own tv show on rfd tv and newly appointed coach of the oklahoma freedom and all-around great guy cord how's it going
2: Oh, it's, go- it's going good. Coop. All of that, all that stuff kind of ran together until the very last comment all around. Great guy. That, that, that meant more to me than all the rest. Yeah. Well,
0: Ooh. every time I've been around you, it's a pleasure to be around you. You've always got a <laughs> smile on your face. And if, if somebody's having a bad day and you're around, that'll change real quick. I can uh, promise you that. So
2: I've had some bad days too. So, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll ride double with you. It's not, it's not that bad deal. We'll survive.
0: <laughs> so how's Arkansas? You're down there for the Little Rock UTB this weekend. How's everything yep. going so
2: far? it's a little uh, a little slippery right now they've had plenty of plenty of rain uh and ice freezing rain everything but uh man it, it's it's kind of been a wild year which i'm not telling you anything you kind of do the have done the the, the winter you know pbr a couple times uh sometimes you feel like more of a, a weatherman and a, and a truck driver than a uh you know a, a pbr guy and so we, we've kind of played the weather i had to get up and load bulls at three o'clock in the morning just try to beat the first ice storm that, that rolled in here so we've been uh feel like we've been kind of you know, locked up in a in a hotel room for a couple of days, just getting ready to ride bulls. I, I feel like we made the right decision, though. The bulls been here in Cersey, Arkansas. They've been cuddled up, laying on shavings for about three days, so they're gonna they're they're ready to buck. I think uh, you know I'm, I'm excited about it. We did make that mistake. I think we went to Milwaukee and ran into a couple of storms. The bulls, they spent uh, you know way longer on the truck than I I really felt comfortable with. Uh, we got there, you know, they had to sleep on frozen ground, uh, and I, I think it's, it's events like that. And those bulls buck and you know you win bull of the event and stuff you know the experience they've had the last three and four days that's when you're so proud of them but uh you know i think i guess if you make the same mistake twice that's when you're, you're kind of making a problem so uh, we, we got ahead of it got over here to arkansas and got settled in uh but we're, we're looking for a good weekend uh also introducing a lot of uh young bulls this weekend you know to the pbr so they can kind of get their first experience and i want their that first experience and those first stats to be good so uh you know we give them every opportunity that we can
0: Heck yeah. And that's something I think a lot of people that watch on TV may not know is is just to put on an event or bring bulls to an event. You can't you can't predict the weather. You can't change the weather. And the PBR will make you go to climates where it's not super great weather all the time. Like you think about New York in January. I've heard some of the stories about hauling bulls into that building through blizzards. And it's something you can't control. You gotta get it done. Like you said, when they do overcome that adversity as an animal athlete that's got to make a guy feel pretty dang good
2: i've got uh probably around 100 bulls there on the ranch and for the last couple of years i think i'd either take five or six bulls to new york uh because i i, I know the challenge and i know what they're going to be uh you know put through so we'll just take a goose because we know we can kind of get it downtown there'd be two feet of shavings and you know i'll just try to make it as comfortable as they can because you know, there's, there's times that, you know, you, you sleep on the interstate. I mean, I've done it, uh, you know, as far as New York and as far as South of Atlanta, uh, you know, slept on, on the interstate. Uh, so you try to, you try to set yourself up for some wins, with them the bucket bowls, you don't know what's going to happen.
0: So it's been well documented that you've been a cowboy and involved with rodeo for basically your whole life, but I found out you were a baseball player in high school and you must've been a pretty good one because you were supposed to play in college. Is that Right.
2: Yeah, well, I'd, I'd talked to a college or two, but uh, I'd already had a full ride scholarship to go Southwest on a rodeo team. But uh, I, I, I love baseball, and uh, you had to catch in the state tournament. Uh, I think that was kind of one of the one of the biggest honors to to get to play in, in the state tournament there in Oklahoma. and Man, it's uh, anybody that's played team sports and, and and kind of get wins under your belt like that, and, and kind of feel the momentum of you know what everybody holding their part. I think uh, you know get the experience you know, we're, that's, we're kind of getting into the, the PBR team deal and it definitely kind of stirs up that same idea of, you know, what it means and how, you know, you can, you can, you can bring your, your game to the next level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Was baseball the only sport you played or did you play other sports as well?
2: Uh, You know, I I played basketball too, but I think there were several of us that, uh, felt like we played basketball just to stay in shape for baseball. (laughs) gym or, or, or workout area at the, at the house, you know, I would, I played all the high school sports, you know, the, I thought I felt like it helped rodeo too. You know, I, I that was, I was playing some sport pretty much year round, you know, other than summer, they try to get us to, to play summer baseball. But, you know, you look at the the rodeo schedule and you're like, nah, I'm not going to play summer baseball.
0: And that was actually going to be my next question. You know, we're both from pretty rural areas. You know, you didn't graduate with a lot of people and In small towns, you know, to to form a sports team, everybody's got to do their part. I mean, it's basically a necessity, you know, like we would play against schools that were five to ten times bigger than us. And a lot of those kids would play one sport and they'd be like, man, we play football, blah, blah, blah. And we play everything. (laughs) We don't play. We don't have a team.
2: Uh, The funny thing is, I think I had to They had a tournament. I had to miss one of the one of the games on Saturday to go to a rodeo. And I think they had to they had to borrow a player to to finish their team so they could play the game. So uh, yeah, that's that's how small our was. Make, making the team might not have been a big deal, but it it made it that much cooler when we did make state tournament. I mean, like it was just us. It was such a tight knit, uh, you know, group of nine or ten guys. Man, it it was you you had to pull your part. It's not like somebody else could get off the bench and take your spot. That was all of us.
0: Yeah, and going off that, you know, the the pride small towns tend to have with their high school sports teams. It's really a fun experience and I'm glad I got to go through that as well. So talking more about your rodeo days, you wrote all three rough stock events, is that correct?
2: I did. Even in college I I roped, uh, I tried to steer wrestle, but that was uh that's got to more more for fun, but uh team rope would probably be my 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 best time event. Uh, I roped calves a little bit, but you know, I think I was near uh near, near good on the ground. You know, I grew up on the ranch, so I'm like roping uh, roping and I did do breakaway roping and stuff growing up, but, you know, I sure wasn't that fast on, on the ground, but, uh, you know, in college, you know, they had a practice pen, they had cattle, uh, man, if you, you'd bring your horse, they'd load kids for you all day. So of course I did every sport in, in, uh, in rodeo in college, you know, I'd be out the practice pen every day, either, either roping or riding bulls or Bronx, whatever it was. And that's kind of how I enjoyed my, enjoyed my days too, you know, go to class, go to practice pen, uh, long as. You know, weather for Oklahoma—that wind starts blowing. It's it's a uh, you know about ten degrees below freezing. You won't be out there, I guarantee you. You start coughing real quick.
0: Yeah, we've had some not so great weather up here up north this week. So I definitely know what you're talking about. There was competing in all of those disciplines. Always the plan, or did it just kind of happen organically?
2: Oh, I, I think growing up, you know, Ty Murray was like he w- he was kind of the king when I was growing up. So, you know, to to be able to ride bareback, saddle broncs, and, and bulls, all three was, I mean, th- that was that was the coolest. And I don't know why I felt like my dad uh, pushed us that way, but being an all around cowboy was, uh, you know, the special thing. And you know, we watched Great American Cowboy or whatever, yeah, that movie was. Yeah. and you just feel like, man, if you, if you, if you can do them all, you're just that much cooler. So, uh, you know, we do, we do all the events in, in junior rodeo and especially in junior rodeo, if you don't do all the events, you know, you don't have a, a shot at, at any all around type stuff. So I'm, I run barrels, run poles, tied goats, breakaway. I did, I did every event. Um, I was, I was almost, uh, after eighth grade, I was so glad to, to become a freshman, even though I'd, I'd ride bigger Bronx and stuff, but I wouldn't have to run barrels practice every day. So I was, I was glad to, to drop that event. Yeah, I mean, uh, bears, Bronx, and bulls was kind of something that I did all the time. Time events was more for for fun. And the weird thing about it is, I think naturally, you know, bareback riding was probably my best event. Just just naturally uh, to do it. The saddle bronc riding was the was the toughest to start, but once I kind of got it, that was probably my my favorite event. And I don't know if it was my best, but it was it was one of my favorites. Uh, but there was just so much more money in in bull riding. You know, and I, when I got hurt real bad in 2004, it was actually in the short round of the um, Oklahoma State Fair, the PRCA rodeo, the short round there. Come off the back of the saddle, of course, you got kicked in the head. But when I came back, I had to wear a helmet and they had these bull riding helmets. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just ride bulls. So, uh, you know, I went from a, a PRCA short round was my last bronc, to riding bulls full time.
0: So you obviously had a ton of success in rodeo across all three. Was the money in that injury, the driving force to get you to commit to bull riding full-time or was there other factors in that?
2: Oh, I don't really know what the, uh, commit full-time. I think originally it was just to get back to rodeo, you know, and I, so I, I after I got hurt, I kind of grabbed the helmet and started back and it, it was bad. Like when I first started back, I couldn't even ride a horse bareback. I mean, like my equilibrium balance, everything was so far off. But I, I just graduated college. I didn't, didn't have a house. I didn't have, you know, girlfriend, anything. I, I, maybe I was that Brazilian that just got off the boat. I had no other focus, like figure out how to, how to do this. And that uh, definitely pushed my drive. And I had no, no stumbling blocks other than uh, figure out how to ride the bull and make it. And um, ended up making the National Finals Rodeo in, in 2005. Uh, bull jerked me down and hit me in the shoulder knocked my shoulder out in round three of the national finals rodeo. So I had, I had a lot of time to sit there and think about business or what I'm, what I'm going to do. Then as you look at the the PBR, you know, they had almost 30 weekends a year. You could win 30,000. And I had stacked my whole year profit or loss in those 10 days. And I'm sitting there in a sling you know, realizing that I'm, 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 I'm done, you know, I didn't make it, but it, you know, even if I have injuries, if and in the PBR, if I could spread those uh, winnings over, you know, 30 different weekends, you know, if I get hurt, I'll be back in, you know, six weeks, I can win again. That was kind of the, the original thought. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I did rodeo cause you could do all the events, but you're kind of like, well, if I'm just going to do bull riding, you know, they're stacking all the money into to one event. And that was kind of the original thought to move over. It wasn't long after that though, I kind of fell into some sponsorships and, and, and even, even then you look at, uh, when I would go to, I'd go to Houston rodeo, I'd have to pay them $500 to show up to ride in Houston. I would show up at DBR the and they would give me 500 for showing up. That's a thousand dollar swing in, I mean, in, in one, one hand. And I'm like, I don't have to think about this very long. It's a pretty good deal over here. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the sponsors kind of fell in. It wasn't like you, you, you didn't have to ride. But it was it was nice to be able to, you know, to get a check quarterly or, you know, a sponsorship or something like that. And it it, it would definitely take a little bit of pressure off. Sometimes maybe it it is bad for some of the guys. They lose a little drive because they already got the check. I was blessed enough. I was like 26 before I kind of made it on tour. Uh, You know, I I could see where the 18 year olds are having trouble. You know, somebody hand you a check for something you haven't even done yet. But, uh, you know, I, I was blessed enough to kind of be a little bit more mature when I got there.
0: I think that sense of security is good for anybody in any walk of life to take that pressure off you of where am I going to get this money from to take care of my bills or whatever it has to be going off of your riding days. Was the plan always to become a stock contractor or did that just kind of fall into place?
2: No, it, 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 uh, it, it definitely fell into place. Uh, I feel like I've, I've been blessed kind of just being in the right spot at the right time quite a bit. You know, even the last year that I rode, I, I don't think I even thought that much about that. I think I was at JW Hart Invitational in Decatur. And I, I'd, I'd got on a bull and got bucked off. and was dragging my bag back to the truck and the guy chased me down. I was like, Hey, you want this check? You want this check? And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, your bull won second, and they had me a check for like 4,500 bucks. And they kind of hit me like a train. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? You know why I've got a, a good set of bulls. And I, I felt like I had, I was getting in the bull's way. Like the bulls needed to be at the top of events. And, and I was, you know, I needed to go to a, to a lower, lower level. And I'd always told myself that, you know, I want, I wanted to quit at the top. I've seen so many of those guys ride their way all the way to the top and then, you know, work their way all the way back down to ride in your local open rodeo, you know, at at 50 years old. And I was like, I just, I, I just, I told me I was not going to do that as much as I loved it. I was not going to do that. So I kind of stepped out of the bull's way in the same arena there at the ranch that had been my practice pen for how many years became the bulls training facility. Um, and the the first couple of years I'd raise these bulls up and, uh, I'd train them, kind of get them to the PBR and then I'd swap them. I mean, I'd sell them to, you know, Chad Burger, K bar C DNH, you know, that this kind of changed just a couple of years ago where, you know, they were, they were controlling the price. They were controlling how much my bull was worth. I mean, I would, I would get those bulls and they would come right out of the PBR finals. They'd be like, ah, 3,500, but I hadn't, you know, no other uh, you know, ways to go about it. other other people buying them, and I still remember sitting there in Vegas thinking, well, I can haul them just like you can. You know, th- I mean, this is as recent as three years ago, and now we're here in Little Rock with seventeen head on the on the roster, and it felt like it 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 started from just those guys picking the picking the price to go back for the rodeo, the McCoy Rodeo deal. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of young bulls coming up that that need jobs, and uh, you know that's where the the rodeo thing came from. But being a, an old rodeo guy man you just you don't you don't you don't want to go produce any rodeo and bring a bunch of bulls to try out so those other bulls still need to practice because when we're producing a rodeo it says right on the top you know McCoy rodeo produce the best event we can uh you know we try to we try to line them up for for success and uh pretty proud of that last year we had six rodeos i mean they were some good hop and spinning bulls, uh, you know, kind of no, no re-ride bulls, and it, you know, everybody got a shot to win. What what I would want. And when I'm when I'm in the pasture of bulls and pins, uh creating that roster, I'm like, this guy might not add as much money as as, as Houston, San Antonio, Denver, but if I enter towards rodeo, I know I'm gonna go get on a good bull. And I, I always keep that in mind when we're building that roster.
0: Absolutely, and I I know that bull riders today do pay attention to that stuff, especially on the rodeo end. If they don't like a pen of bulls, they're not going to go. So yep. that's a really tell good way friend. to keep numbers up for sure. Yeah,
2: they're going to they're going to tell their friend too. Yeah,
0: yeah, the word spreads fast. That's for sure. So kind of going off of that, your contracting days, you're in Little Rock, and you're not only competing with some of your top end bulls like Riding Solo, Diddy Wah Diddy, and all that, you're busting out some young ones in the classic uh, round tonight, how much different is it for you as a contractor bringing these classic bulls to these kind of events? Because it's such a change from a normal bull riding or a normal event when you get them in that environment with the loud music, the pyro, and then the pressure that these guys put on these bulls. What are you looking for to know that a bull is ready or how nervous does it make you get when you're not quite sure about a bull?
2: Yeah, you do, you do get more nervous, uh, than anything. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like your, your little kid. I mean, you can, you can show them, teach them, you know, walk them through it. Um, you know, it was starting to rain snow at the house there. And, uh, you know, I, I give, you know, one last walkthrough on some of the, the younger bulls, uh, before they came here. I mean, that's, that's, that's your thought and your, your pressure on you. But, um, it's like Tulsa time, you know, he grew up right there on the ranch you feel like you know every experience that he's had, you know, all his all his twerks about him that uh make him change, make him click. There, there's no real good way to find out other than put his name on the list, let one of the top 35 riders guys get on him and open the gate. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. But you try to prep those bulls, I mean, as as much as you can. But uh more than I, when I used to ride, you'd wait till Tuesday or Wednesday for that draw list to come out. And now I'm a stock contractor and I sit there and hit refresh, 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 refresh. <laughs> you know, like I, I gotta see who's got what bull. And so that you're you kind of kind of playing that game. Even when we're when we're feeding those bulls last night, you're like, oh man, you know, not moves He's got Chase Outlaw, you know, don't don't give him too much. This is this is this is for the win, you know. And so you you know you're trying to prep those bulls for it. But uh, it's like it's like being a being a baseball coach. So when you're when you're building that roster, some some guys make the team and some guys don't. And and you have the pressure to you you make that decision. And if if you put his name on that list, you're standing beside it, and it says, you know, Cord McCoy, and it'll say either Cord McCoy did good or Cord McCoy screwed up. So there's there's a little bit of pressure on that way. I think we've got a couple of young bulls in there that are not consistent, but are are big hitters. And 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 I and I, I feel like tonight they're either going to be ninety three or seventy three. I won't tell you which bulls that is, but they they're they're like the Jose Canseco, Jose Canseco kind of like. You know, home run hitters. They're going to yeah. strike you out. They're going to win first. And uh, you know, you, you get you got that style. All of them can't be Tulsa time. Tulsa time, I think, has been bucked four or five times this year and have been ninety every time. And is you know been a either a world champion or bring your own rider. Like he does good in every aspect, and he's uh, but he's, he's also very mature in his mind. But you look back at the the years of training, we went we went really slow with him. But, you know, he was competing in Vegas as a yearling. Like, this is not his first rodeo. He's been on, he's been on the road. He knows the experience. He knows they're shaving his feet. And, like, I got a pretty good idea what I'm doing tomorrow because this is what Cord did today. So, you, you right. try to set those uh, what's fixing to happen.
0: Man, it sure was a good time getting to visit with Cord. If you want to hear the rest of that interview, we will have that on in our next episode. We appreciate Cord coming on for sure. And I think that'll about wrap it up, James. Do you have anything to say before we get out of here?
1: Just that, you know, uh thank you, Cord McCoy. Thank you to all our listeners, and and what a phenomenal job everybody did. Cause this last week the weather was just absolutely horrible. And those poor bulls had to been freezing to death and just shivering and and for them to perform the way they were. You know, it's amazing that they can deal with the weather and things that they do. And I'm just so proud of everybody for putting that event on and getting there and getting them back safe and looking forward to the Global Cup. And if everything goes as planned, we should have a special out for that sometime later this week. Right, Coop?
0: Yeah, that's the plan right now. We're going to do a little special episode because the Global Cup is a unique thing. It happens once a year. And and I always get excited for it. Anytime you get country versus country going on, it really br- brings the pride out in people. I can remember being at the 2019 Global Cup and Country Pride was coming out. I mean, there was people booing the Brazilians having su- success. Like it was it was a real deal. Like people got into it. So I'm excited for the Global Cup, and I'm excited for that episode as well. Yeah, to close it up, I'd just like to say thanks for listening, guys. You can find more about us at FromTheBackPens on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page, FromTheBackPens. And we're working on getting some more stuff up on our YouTube page. That's also at FromTheBackPens. My email is Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, backpins at gmail.com if you want to email me. You can find out more about RankRide at www.rankridefantasy.com, at RankRideFantasy on Instagram. Rank Ride on Facebook and Rank Ride TV on YouTube. Feel free to give us feedback, guys. We always appreciate it. We want to make this as good as it can be for the listeners. So anything good, bad, doesn't matter. Like we can handle it. We just want to hear more. If you would review, leave comments, anything. It all helps. But I think that'll wrap it up. Everybody have a good week. And until next time, come back and visit us again from the backpins.